It was the best of times. It was the blast of times. <laughs> it's Chaos Central here at Christmas First. <laughs> I'm gonna turn you into a corpse. Yeah. Well, you ain't getting any better. different than my regular friends because you're in February. I hope you enjoyed your Veganuaries and your Dry Januaries. Did you? I did. You didn't do either of those two I things. I did neither of those things. I don't even know what the first one is. Veganuary. Oh. You're vegan for January. No, I was not. You were just eating flesh the whole way yeah, through. Yeah, I made a great meat pie a couple weeks ago. Shh. The police will hear you say that. <laughs> They'll take away my vegan powers. <laughs> You've been using vegan powers without a permit. <laughs> Shannon. I'm going to get pulled over. Oh my god, this is so embarrassing. Yeah, welcome to another episode of Cursed or Blessed. We, uh, had, we had a series of trials and tribulations pertaining to this episode. You may remember that we promised to watch Matilda. We did promise that, didn't we? We did watch Matilda. That we did. And that's because we're people of our word. We watch the movies we say we're going to watch. Yeah, we did. We only said we're going to watch Matilda. We didn't say we were going to talk about Matilda. We also watched The Witcher. We're not talking about this necessarily, that episode. This episode. No, exactly. The, the truly blessed children's content of Netflix's The Witcher. We can watch whatever the freak we want. Like, get <laughs> off our case. Our podcast, our rules. We also had a really traumatic experience that night. Oh my god. Like, partly related to Matilda, but partly otherwise. Yeah. Should we just kind of... Hmm. So, we finished watching Matilda, and we had a little bit of a Spy Kids moment. Yeah. Um, where we didn't really have much to say about it. We've got a short list of things that we're gonna hit about yeah. Matilda. How about I put on, like, a, 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 a timer... Mm-hmm. A fun little timer. How many minutes of Matilda? How many minutes? Should I just put the countdown music on in the background? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cue up the countdown music and we'll put on, we'll do a quick fire. What? Do you know how long the countdown music lasts? No, I'm Canadian. <laughs> it's illegal for me to know that. I'm a foreigner. <laughs> it's illegal for you to use YouTube. <laughs> let's see we have two choices we can have the countdown clock for 34 seconds or the countdown clock for one hour well i think we're gonna have to go with 34 seconds because if it was one hour we'd be doing an episode about matilda okay let's talk about matilda right quick discover audible with an audio book on Matilda was really boring and I think a little bit classist. The parents are kind of portrayed as unintellectual and therefore stupid and Malcolm in the Middle does it better and that's all I have to say on the matter. Uh, Roald Dahl has an issue with television as we saw in the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory episode. He thinks TV is cursed and will always make you into a brainless zombie and it's frankly very weird as a plot point. Miss Honey sucks. Miss Honey is so boring. I hate her. Miss Honey has no rights. <laughs> 
So that's all we had to say about Matilda. And for the sake of all of your childhoods, we won't say any more. No. Um, I had one good emotion watching Matilda, and that was finishing it. Yeah. Which was quickly dashed. (laughs) So we decided to instead watch something more fun, which is this episode's show, The Emperor's New Groove. So we stuck it on for about ten minutes, and then something happened. (laughs) Something that we'll be thinking about forever. Whenever we sit in this cursed or blursed position in our living room. Yep. With our, our two armchairs and our mic. Yep. Yeah, we were just sat watching the movie, and Elise just made a noise, and sort of got, you got up out of your chair, and... I I leapt about two meters into the air, and then along the room. And I got up and, like, whacked my head off the ceiling, so we've got, like, an inclined ceiling where my chair is, um, and then looked over at Elise's chair and just saw a leg coming over the side of the chair. Yep. Not a human leg. A spider's leg. I would have rather it be a human leg. Honestly, yeah, an eight-legged human would have been preferable. Yeah. To just ask it to leave. Giant fuck-off spider. The biggest spider I've ever seen outside of a cage. Yeah. It was enormous, and we kept looking at it thinking, like, okay, we're just, it's not that big, and then we'd look at it and be like, no, but it is, though. Can I just say, I watched the whole of Matilda with it clearly making a web by my shoulder. Yeah. It had been making a web by my shoulder. Why had it not been in my peripheral vision before? Oh my god, I'm freaked just thinking about it. It (sighs) was huge. So there we were, half an hour later, after not having done anything. Both of us, one boot on one boot off, holding the other boot in uh, our hand. I had one, my other foot was like in my fox slipper. You were barefoot. Yeah. We'd make a move to do something and then freak out. We'd pull the blanket a bit and the spider would move around and it was so big that it was like moving the underside of the blanket. Yeah, and we kept losing it in the folds of the blanket. It was never in a good position to sort out. Yeah. Um. Do you want to describe your moment of heroism? My moment of victory was when it crawled onto a flat surface and I smacked it with my boot and it made a crunching sound. Listen, if you're listening to this and you like spiders, we understand, but you didn't see it. We both have deposited spiders out of the window. At one point, I wanted to pick up the spider in the blanket and throw that blanket out the window. But it's, it was just, it was, it, 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 its teeth were the size of a regular spider's legs. Yeah, it was... It was so big, and we didn't have anything to trap it in or any way to trap it. I'd never seen a spider that looked like that before, so I was worried it would be some sort of, like, black widow. Yeah. So, yeah, I smacked it with a boot, and it left a little smear on the chair. And I washed my blanket, and I don't want to use the blanket ever again, but it's clean now. Um, and that, I think is a good summation of that, the way that whole evening went. It took us a solid hour to get that spider. And then it took us an hour to calm down. (laughs) (laughs) We tried to watch The Emperor's New Groove again, but it was just not percolating into our brains. Yeah. So then we tried again yesterday. We watched it after spending a good amount of time looking around the backs of our chairs, and I'm still doing it. Every time I stop talking, I, like, shoulder check my chair. I've been, when I was at the gym and I was getting changed, I fully checked my entire body for bites. Mm. I said this at the time. 
and I'll say it again. Like, it was so close to me, it could have gotten onto me and bit me without me realising this happened before. I get spider bites, and I, I always worry that I'm going to get Spider-Man powers, which sounds like it would be a blessing, but I'm so busy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've got a PhD to do, you don't have time a to podcast f- to edit. No time to fight crime. I don't care about crime in the city. No. But I'd suddenly be expected to care, because I've got powers. Mm-hmm. So that's where we are. That was the headspace we were in when we finally got round to watching The Emperor's New Groove. Yeah. Why did I choose The Emperor's New Groove? Chose it because I remember it as being... I only watched it like two times, maybe one time properly as a kid. Um, I watched the TV show. That was fun. I vaguely remember being it being like very funny, like a bit full on. I'll like talk about that later. And even though I enjoyed it, not quite placing it at the same regard as I placed other Disney movies. And thinking that might be a, an interesting thing to revisit for our show, Cursed or Blessed. Mm-hmm. Um, I was excited to do The Emperor's New Groove because this is was one of my favorite Disney movies as a kid. I was saying to you, I never really connected with the princess movies. There were some of them I liked, but they mm-hmm. were never my jam. Like this one and Lilo and Stitch and probably Hercules were like my top ones. Yeah. Um, so I was really excited to revisit this um, from a cursed or blurst perspective. Uh, and I had a really good time watching it again. And I also did watch the show, um, which I, I agree was quite good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the shows from that, the movies from that era of Disney had good TV shows. Because I really enjoyed the Lilo and Stitch TV show. I did show too, yeah. With that sandwich alien whose thing was that he liked sandwiches. Yes! Oh I my loved God. that show. Yeah, that was fun. Fully blessed content. Yeah. I think Hercules had a show too. It did. I don't think it was as good as the other two. Phoebe from Friends, wasn't it? Was she? Yeah, she was Aphrodite. Oh. Yeah, I remember the the Lilo and Stitch show, and I don't remember the name of it. I think it was just called Lilo and Stitch, the yeah. series. And then The Emperor's New School was the TV the iteration new school. of The Emperor's New Groove, because he had to go to, to human high school, not human, peasant high school. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a high school for every single animal. <laughs> There's a cat high school. Yeah. My cat goes to high school. Yeah. Like, I come back for to visit home and I'm like, my, like Mum, where, where's Lottie? Where's the cat? And she's like, oh, she's still at high school. Mm-hmm. She's got extracurricular. She's staying late. Yeah. She's doing pottery. <laughs> I think what you said was fair enough. He was at human high school. He was indeed at human high school. We I also were at that. human high school. I don't know if mine was human high school. I went to Catholic school. The plot of The Emperor's New Groove is like... Very simple. We could just do a quick fire one of those. Yes. Just uh, to catch you, get you up to speed if you've not seen this this movie. Emperor Cusco is about to turn 18. And when he turns 18, he's going to build a summer house on top of a hill that currently has a village on it. He's going to demolish the village and build Cusco-topia. In the meantime, uh, his advisor, Yzma... Best Disney villain. The best. She's so goddamn fun. Uh, uh, <laughs> the best henchman ever. Crunk. <laughs> Voiced by Patrick Warburton. Yzma uh, <laughs> and Kronk have been scheming against Cusco and have been... Yzma in particular. Kronk is not doing any scheming. Yzma um, has been running the country behind his back, like holding court with the, the villagers and that sort yes. of thing. Which um, Cusco catches her doing in the act. And fires her on the spot. Yes. And, and she's raging. She's fuming. She's right mad. Oh, yeah. 
She's smashing busts of Cusco <laughs> with a giant hammer. Um, and as she's doing because this... Because she has, like, a massive collection of comedy props. <laughs> and I respect her for that. Yeah. Nothing but respect for this Disney villain. Um, and as she's smashing these heads, she comes up with the scheme to turn... Not... No, to she, kill Cusco. To turn him into a dead man. <laughs> I'm going to turn you into a corpse. Yeah. Well, her, her original scheme is I'll turn him into a flea and I'll put that flea in a box and I'll put that box in another box yeah. and then I'll mail that box to myself. Which is what... And then smash it with a hammer. Yeah. Which is what we should have done with the spider. It's what we should have done. We should have put the spider in a box. <laughs> put that box in another box. And then mailed that box to herself. And when it arrived... Smash it with a hammer. <laughs> Except that would be a bad way to do things because there's too much room for the spider to escape. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But then it would be the postage problem. Yeah. And then it could have a sitcom called no, The I mean Postman Spider. No, I mean escape it when we go to smash it out the box. Oh. Isma needs to think about these things. Yeah, what if the flea had escaped from the box? <laughs> or the other box? So she's going <laughs> to turn him into a corpse. <laughs> Decides to save on postage. That sh- that joke will never not be funny. It was hilarious when I was a kid, and it's hilarious now. Um, <laughs> that she's just gonna poison him. Yeah. Um. So she invites him for dinner, trying to be like, let's let bygones be bygones. Come over for dinner as like a going away party. Crucially, she's put Kronk in charge of selecting the. the- <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, putting- Kronk is a fool. <laughs> Kronk is a sweet boy, but he's not too bright. <laughs> Every time she explains the dastardly plan, which involves Kronk's participation, and Kronk is like, mm-hmm, yep, mm-hmm, that's how I feel in grad school. People are telling the instructions, and I'm like, mm-hmm, yes, <laughs> the poison. The poison to specifically kill Cusco. Cusco's poison, right. <laughs> I think every conversation I had with my supervisor is she's, like, leading me to... Whatever conclusion she thinks I've already come up with. Maybe this is maybe this is just what's happening, that Kronk is actually he's this PhD student. <laughs> Kronk doing his PhD. He's having a rough time. <laughs> we've been we've we've gotten waylaid. Cusco <laughs> turns up. Cusco turns up and Kronk um puts the, the vial, the little pink vial, empties it into Cusco's glass. Um but then his his spinach puffs are burning, and he puts down the tray with all the glasses on it, and when he runs back in, he's forgotten which glass has the poison in it. So he yeah. shakes it up, and just all the glasses are just poisoned. Yeah. So Yzma, like, tips hers into a plant, and Kronk pours his onto his shoulder. Kuzgo... Jinx, you can't talk for the rest of the podcast! <laughs> I thought I just had to buy you a soda! Hang on, wait, hey, wait. Is that how it works in Canada? Yeah. If you say something at the same time and the other person says jinx, you've you got can... to buy them a soda? Yes. My knowledge of that is that the person who has been jinxed can't talk for a while. No, it's you've just got to buy them a soda. Okay, well, I already owe you a beer. Can well, I just get you, like, a nicer beer than I would have? I owe I owe sure. Shannon a beer because of the spider. Because I'm the spider slayer. Anyway, Kuzco <laughs> drinks the potion and turns into a llama, and then freaking out about it, they knock him out, and Yzma asks Kronk to dispose of the body, slash, like, make sure he's definitely dead, like, like to, kill him, to kill him and get rid of him. Put the bag in the water, basically, and drown him. 
Uh, Kronk does not succeed. (laughs) (laughs) Kronk has a crisis of conscience at the last moment and just, like, chucks the bag onto the back of a wagon leaving town, which is the wagon owned by Pacha, who is the... Oh, thank God that you said his name, because I I was going to call him Poncho. (laughs) (laughs) No, his name is Pacha. He's the leader of the village that Cusco is going to demolish. Yeah, so he's he's walking back very slowly and sadly because this is the last day that his village is going to exist. Or so he thinks. Or so he thinks. And now he's got a llama in a bag on the back of his cart and he gets all the way back to the village before he realizes there's something else in his cart and he opens it and there's this, like, unconscious llama that, like, wakes up and then starts talking. Then he recognizes the voice and is like, oh, it's the emperor, it's Emperor Cusco. You're a llama now. And he's like, fuck, you're right. <laughs> Help. Because <laughs> he's John Ralphio from Parks and Recreation. <laughs> he kind of is. He's, I haven't seen Parks and Rec. Oh, well, you plant my word on this one. Okay, I believe you. So then Pacha agrees to help. He says that he'll help Cusco get back to the palace if Cusco changes his plans about building a summer home, and Cusco says, go to hell, and tries to walk back on his own, almost gets eaten by jaguars. By badly rendered jaguars. Yep. All um, of the animals, apart from him, are badly rendered. Yes, they're a little bit strange looking. They don't quite fit in with the rest of the animation. No. The jaguars, the bats, the scorpions, there's some crocodiles at one point. Yeah. Or alligators, I don't know. All sorts of animals. Yeah, there's tons of stuff. Um, Meanwhile, Yzma has now taken control of the kingdom after declaring that Cusco is dead, and uh, then finds out that Kronk may or may not, well, not... Has not successfully killed killed Cusco. He's not successfully transformed into a corpse. (laughs) Into a corpse, yeah. (laughs) He's not as dead as we might have hoped, no. time I talk about murder from now on, I'm going to be like, yes. And sadly, the victim was transformed into a corpse. <laughs> what witch did this? It's um, a spell called Hammer. Isma <laughs> and Kronk therefore need to go off in search of a talking llama to kill him for realsies. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Kuzco has been chased by a bunch of Animals in the forest, and Pacha comes in at the last moment and saves him. Crucially, Cusco does not think that he has been turned into a llama by a... Yes, he is not aware of how this happened. Cusco initially thinks he's been kidnapped by Pacha because Pacha doesn't want him to build the summer home. I think for most of the the first part of the movie, he thinks that whatever has happened to him, Pacha's responsible for it. Yeah. So if he thinks anyone's turned him into a llama, he thinks that Pacha did it. Yeah. I don't know why he thinks Pacha would have been able to do that. He's not a wizard, but... But neither is Yzma to to Cusco's knowledge. But he's like, ah, Yzma has an evil-looking lab full of all sorts of random shit that's magical. She can help. Yeah, she can turn me back into a human, and it just does not (laughs) clue in for him. But, yeah, and just keeping in mind, this isn't a plot hole. Cusco's just fully an idiot. Yeah. He's... I I had to keep reminding myself watching this that he's 17. Yeah, I forgot he was 17. Um, but he is. He's 17 and acts like it. Yes. He is one of those Disney characters where you're like, well, you're either 12 or you're 25. <laughs> <laughs> and he is basically in the middle of that. Yeah. yeah. From there on, there's a chase. 
just a, basically a chase. Yeah. And throughout that is a slow bonding arc between Cusco and Pacha. Pacha. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And um, there's some japes in the diner mm-hmm. with some cross dressing and lots of poorly rendered animals and ravines and the thing where people fall down and their body is suspended in midair for like two seconds and then they're like whoa whoa and then drop i think this movie was not sure not quite aware that it wasn't a looney tunes sketch (laughs) like looney tunes physics and just looney tunes plots like the diner plot everything that happened in all these little incidents all feel straight out of a bugs bunny cartoon yep (laughs) Like, all of their solutions to problems are straight out of the brain of Bugs Bunny. Yeah. Which is not necessarily a bad thing, but I think is why I remembered this more as, like, high-quality bits from a cartoon series mm. more than, like, a movie. Mm. Um, but that's not to say it's bad. It was, it was like, consistently funny. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's kind of going off the plot. We'll talk about that a bit more later. Yeah. Uh, where should we pick back up? Maybe? At the diner. At the diner... Pacha overhears Yzma and Kronk, who are also at the diner, saying that they're looking for Cusco and they want to kill him. Yeah. Pacha sort of pulls Cusco aside and is like, there are these two people in there who describes them, and Cusco's like, oh my god, they're Yzma and Kronk, I'm saved. And he's like, no, 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 they're trying to kill you. They don't want to help you. And Cusco's like, you don't know anything. Go away. Yeah. And Pacha does. Um... Leaving Kuzco kind of at the mercy of Yzma and Kronk, who he then, I think, overhears. He overhears them saying that they want to catch him and turn him into a corpse, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Um, so then he <laughs> and runs... And then he's, like, shot Pikachu face. Yeah, he has not put this together up to this point. And then he runs off into the forest and is sort of, like, sitting in the rain sadly. This is the bit where the narration that's been going throughout the whole movie yeah. catches up. He's been narrating from that point, like, from the beginning... Yeah. And then, yeah, we catch up, and he's very sad. He's very sad. He, um, he finds a herd of, like, like real, legit llamas. And he finds... They don't, they don't talk to him. They don't want to be near him at all. And he finds that Pacha is in this herd of llamas, because he hasn't gone back to the village. He's gone to... He's st- stuck around to find Cusco. Yeah. And then they're like, we'll get you back to the palace... But first we have to get some supplies first, and then they go all the way back to the village. All the way back up the hill. For reasons that defy logic, but that's fine. And who else is in the village? Yzma and Kronk. Because they figured that they should find Pacha's house, because Pacha owned the cart that Kronk left Cusco in a bag on. Mm -hmm. Um, So they get there beforehand, and uh, Pacha's heavily pregnant wife and kids have to distract... Uh, Yzma and Kronk um, allowing Pacha and Cusco to escape and then following this is like the funniest chase scene I've seen in <laughs> ages <laughs> first of all I should mention that the <laughs> mode of transport <laughs> for Yzma she sat in like a sort of carriage slash tent slash backpack that's being carried by Krunk, who's yeah. like just running, just running. <laughs> He's so strong, and this is just funny to look at anyway. The other two are just like running, um, and Cusco and Pacha have like a sort of like red dash that's kind of following them on a map as they trail up and down the mountains, over ravines, through rivers, that kind of thing. And then the evil team have a little sort of like bluey purpley 
starts uh, following them around. And then, like, it's revealed that the t- <laughs> these dashed lines are actually just, like, being imprinted where they're actually running in real life. Yeah. And the characters notice this. <laughs> it's so funny. It was, and- it was a quality joke that landed very well. Very well with its household. <laughs> Archer and Cusco get to the palace, but find that the other two have gotten there first, and they're like, wait, how did you get here first? And pulls down the very same map and says, by all accounts, it doesn't make sense. (laughs) (laughs) And I respect that. (laughs) So funny. Um, So they confront uh, the villains, and how did all those potions get knocked off? Um... Someone, oh, Pacha, to distract someone, like, knocks over a shelf. All the potions that turn people into different animals fall off the shelf. A bunch of them explode in front of the guards that have been called in, so all the guards <laughs> turn into different animals. It's so funny. And like, they're all different animals. Like, there's an octopus, there's, like... There's a turtle, there's... Yeah. Yeah. Someone turns into a cow and is like, Isma, I've been turned into a cow, can I go home? She's like, yes, that's fair, the rest of you can stay. It's like, that joke is so dumb. <laughs> that are like all these sort of random animals are following them yeah. which is quite fun and it's quite creative they're going like up and down it's like a very overly stylized palace it's like lots of mm. steep drops and like and golden slippery surfaces rife for the exact kind of comedy um, sound effects you'd imagine yeah lots of slipping on the bananas <laughs> <laughs> kind of like Dr. Zoidberg there <laughs> Guards are different animals, and that's really funny. And meanwhile, Cusco is like drinking all of these different potions that they've collected because they've um, um they've knocked them off the shelf, and they the, the labels are on the shelf, not on the potions. Yeah, and one of them will turn him into a man, but it's not clear which. So he's like turning into a whale, a turtle, <laughs> like all sorts. It's it's madcap. It's yeah. very funny. Um, and then <laughs> at the end, they've only got two vials left when Isma confronts them. And one of them smashes at her feet, and she turns into a kitten. Um, That's very funny. And it's very funny. So then they they know which vial will turn him back into a human, because it's the only one left. But Uh, before he can, like, get that, Pacha is, like, he falls over and is, like, clinging onto dear life on, like, a statue. Yeah, and the vial is, like, way up above Cusco, and Pacha is below him, and he has to decide what he's gonna, who he's gonna help. Yeah. Like, if he's going to help himself by getting the, the potion, or if he's going to help Pacha. And he helps himself in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and Pacha, Pacha dies. <laughs> Pacha's turned into a corpse by the ground. I can't believe Cusco turned him into a corpse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course, Cusco helps Pacha, and then there's a bit more of a struggle for the vial, but Cusco gets it in the end. Yeah. Um, and then was right. Drinks it, and then... At the very end, it looks like Cusco is apologizing to this old man he had thrown out of the palace earlier, and then he tells he tells Pacha that he's going to build his summer home on a different hill. Yes. On a, a unoccupied hill, uh, sort of right beside Pacha's village. And the end of the movie is him, Cusco, and all the villagers all enjoying... It's not like a big fancy palace like it was in his model at the beginning. Yeah. It's like a little... Like, he's basically just built a water slide in front of a lake. Yeah, basically. Um, and all the villagers are enjoying it Kronk has become a squirrel scout leader. Yep. Kronk has, has now got a whole little group of of squirrel scouts. And then the movie then ends. 
And we have to listen to a Sting song <laughs> called My Funny Friend and Me. That is very tonally not apt for the film. In the credits. Why do credits do this? Yeah. Why are just these weird, bad power ballads that no one's ever going to listen to? Mm-hmm. Like, so that's the movie. <laughs> it's like the entire opposite experience that we had when watching Matilda. Mm-hmm. And I know that we've gone out of the, the countdown clock yeah. zone. Um, but I just remembered the only time I got animated while watching Matilda, I had noticed something like properly cursed. Oh yeah, this is important. This is really impressive. <laughs> I told people at work and no one cared. Um, Elise has a superpower. Yeah, it's not it's not a fun one either. So I was sat watching Matilda, or rather looking at my phone, tolerating Matilda, and then this this music came on in the background. It was sort of like. The sort of music that you play if someone was doing something mischievous, which is what Matilda was doing. She was breaking out of a house. And I was like, this is very, very familiar. This is incredibly familiar. This feels cursed. Why does this feel so cursed? <laughs> and I was like, this is the exact same, well, not the exact same, but incredibly similar background music to the kids theme in Cat in the Hat, when the kids are being introduced. And sure enough, I, I Google it up and it was David Newman the same composer for both um, Matilda and Cat in the Hat. This was surprising to me that I'd gained this like perception because I had been listening, I don't go around listening to soundtracks, but the week before I got like very obsessed with listening to Thomas Newman music, who is another Newman composer, the whole family of like famous movie composers. But David Newman just had eluded me. And then something extra weird happened that we noticed. Uh, the film Matilda ends with rusted roots Send me on my way. You know, other film ends with that. Ice Age. You know who composed music for Ice Age? David friggin' Newman. This was like such an interesting thought journey to watch you go on because I never would have picked out the sound in the movie. <laughs> um, and like, you, as soon as you pointed it out, I couldn't unhear it. But you were so quick to yeah, get. Yeah, because I, I paused it and then I played for you the Cat in the Hat one. Yeah, and you were so quick to go to the right track from the Cat in the Hat soundtrack. Let's be clear, I've not been listening to the Cat in the Hat soundtrack. I don't think we have evidence of that. <laughs> <laughs> the Send Me On My Way thing was weird because it didn't really fit with Matilda. They're not going anywhere. They're, they're not. They're staying in the same place. It, it, also, it almost would have had a better home in, uh, in Prison New Group. Almost, yeah. Almost. Although they're not going anywhere at the end of that. Anyway, that was a little Matilda interlude in the middle of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Tune in for more use of this superpower. Who knows when it will strike again? Yeah. Maybe it was a one-off. Maybe. Maybe it was very mild incidents of one superpower. Yeah, this day we both did cool things. I noticed a song and Shannon killed a giant fucking spider. <laughs> <laughs> I also won at mini golf earlier. I still killed that, that spider. You did. And I owe you a soda and a beer. <laughs> Wait, no, you owe me a soda. I owe you a soda. Okay. Yeah, that's how that works. The animation in this movie is really interesting. It's got some really, I'm going to say it, some really blessed bits and very cursed bits. Mm. The And I'm talking about the animation style. For me, the good bits are the character designs. Yeah, the characters are all really fun. They They're m- so fun. And they all move in unique ways. Yeah. Like, and they all look very different, and they all have a very distinctive motion, and they're all really dynamic and active all the time. Like, they're mm. moving around as they're talking. Um, Yzma, in particular, is 
great to watch. Her and Kronk doing physical things together. Yeah. I liked. Yeah. Yeah, because they have such a different animation style, the two of them. She's all spindly and, like, spider-looking, but also, like, quick and all elbows and stuff. Yeah, and he looks sort of like a bodybuilder. He's got, like, the V-shaped torso. That's it. I was thinking in my head he looks like a pizza slice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but the way you said it was more correct. Yeah, big, broad-shouldered, sort of bulky guy with, like, a teeny little waist and teeny little legs. Yeah. <laughs> At one point, he admits that he has bad ankles. Yeah, he, really does, he, has... he has, like, really tiny, drawn ankles. Yeah, he admits he has weak ankles, and then he says he... What's the, the joke is that he has... He says he has trouble uh, shopping for pants. When, like, the royal tailor comes to give... Yz- when Yzma <laughs> becomes the empress to, like give her her new outfit, he goes up to the tailor and he says, okay, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm very hard to fit. (laughs) (laughs) Cusco's llama design is very fun. Yeah. It's very sort of, like, angular Mm -hmm. and sort of lanky, like his human form is. Yeah, he looks... You can tell that it's Cusco turned into a llama, but also it's not, like, horrible uncanny like the human cats in Cats. (laughs) Yep. I'll give you that. Um, like, he, he looks like a llama, but they did a really good job getting sort of the, the sharp features and, like, the same, the color of his hair and yeah that sort of thing. The things that I found a bit, like, odd with the animation, it felt watching it to be, like, a little bit low-budget looking compared to other Disney films. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't spend too long focusing on the landscape. They do, and it looks like they've kind of gotten halfway to making the landscape look nice. Mm-hmm. And in the action, they do make good use of the landscape. It's like there's a lot of ravines and like fun jungle bits, and some of the vegetation looks really cool. Um, but then other bits are just, they don't linger on it for very long. I think deliberately, all of the background animals look weird, as we mentioned, like mm-hmm. weirdly rendered, um, like very sort of cut and paste. Yeah. Um, which actually, like, led me to, like, pause it and ask you, like, was this a low-budget Disney movie? And I found that the answer was no. Very much no. Very much no. It was actually higher budget than a lot of Disney movies from the same era. It cost something like 10, 10 or $20 million more than Hercules, which is about the same era. Which is crazy, because Hercules is not my favorite-looking Disney movie, but it looks quite cool. Yeah, there's a lot going on in Hercules. There's more characters, too. Like, there's more moving parts in any yeah. given scene in Hercules than there are in this one. There's not very many background yeah. characters ever. Hercules is another one where they've got, like, really cool character designs. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. But the yeah, the background and all of the sort of, like, side characters are kind of equally well-rendered, I think. Yeah, exactly. And the, there are, like, crowd scenes. Like, when yeah. Hercules is defeating the Hydra, there's a whole bunch of people in the background in that scene. But it, in The Emperor's New Groove, you never see a crowd of people. There's, like, six or seven characters. Yeah. Next. Yeah, there's yeah. only ever a couple of them on screen. Um, so the reason this movie was so high-budget is that it was caught... Not not high-budget, high-cost. Mm-hmm. There's a difference. It went over-budget. Um, it was originally a completely different movie called, what did I say? It was called Kingdom of the Sun? Yeah, something about the sun. Um, or the Emperor of the Sun or something like that. That was meant to be like a very serious sort of fantasy epic. And then there was like a second director brought onto the project who had a more comedic vision. And then there were sort of issues between the two of them. 
And then they had a version go to test audiences that because there was like this this weird tonal mismatch in the movie, it didn't test very well. Mm -hmm. So it kept getting shelved and changing hands and eventually the original director quit and had his name removed from it. And then the script got completely rewritten and all the footage from the original version was scrapped. Yeah. Be interesting to see the original version. Yeah. But that's probably why things seemed a bit rushed. And that's why it was so... And it, the stuff from the original version had already cost $30 million. Ugh. So really the budget this was working with, even though it said the bu- that it cost $100 million, was $70 million, which is less than Disney movies yeah. tend to be. Um, of this this era, they they were all looking around the ballpark of like ninety million. Mm. Um, just when you think about the manpower for all the animation and that that goes into it, so I think yeah. that's why it's a bit sparse in terms of characters, in terms of background, in terms of any any of the animals where there's like a lot of them on screen. They do look yes. very copy paste. They move in sort of the same way. It's like they it's like Disney decided to like soak up any like creative animation they'd put into like the South America design mm-hmm. here and save it up for the film Up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love Up, which is also South America. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just like the nicest landscape I've ever seen in that style of animation. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that you mentioned the, the budget thing because like a similar thing happened with Frozen. Right. They were working on that for like more than a decade. Mm-hmm. Like really couldn't decide on the tone of it because it's like quite a dark fairy tale mm-hmm. and they had like so many iterations of like Elsa was meant to be like the full-on villain and mm-hmm. then like the original fairy tale has like kids dying and stuff. Yeah. Um, so it like changed hands a bunch and changed styles a bunch but like paid off probably the biggest Disney movie has ever paid off. Right. Uh, Whereas The Emperor's New Groove lost money at the box office. Yeah, and there's like a couple reasons. Like at first I was like, oh, it's because there's no songs. But then you mentioned contextually. Yeah, so like I was just thinking this is not the only one without any songs of the era. Yeah. But this movie was also up at the box office against The Grinch, another cursed or blursed film. (laughs) Um, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, which was also an emergency episode. Another emergency episode. Uh, What other kids' movies were released at this time that we're inevitably (laughs) going to watch? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, they were up against each other at the box office and The Grinch kind of decimated it. Um, So they didn't... This was considered a flop. Uh, which is interesting because I don't know of anyone who hates this movie. No, I don't think I do. I know some people who think like it's not their favorite Disney movie, but I, I can't. I don't think it's widely regarded as a bad one. No, it's not like one of those ones that's very Marmite too, like Atlantis. Yeah. Or Treasure Planet. Or Treasure Planet, both of which I love. Mm-hmm. But you're right; they are very Marmite. Yeah, I think people like have pleasant memories regarding the Emperor's New Groove. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. I, I think it's like because it's the strength of it is the characters. Yeah. Like it doesn't look beautiful and there's no songs. I'm not saying the movie has to have songs, but like for a Disney movie, that's like a plus. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's the characters that make it memorable yeah. and the jokes. Like yeah. it's just like, you know how in the Snow White episode I mentioned that what Walt Disney wrote the dwarves in so it could be a quote-unquote, continuous flow of gags. Yeah. Which it definitely was not. Yeah. The Emperor's New Groove is a continuous flow of gags. Yeah, it is. I was gagging. It's consistently very (laughs) funny. I wasn't bored at any point. No. Watching it. And and 
there's a lot of like chasing too of people just running around. Yeah. But it's always done differently in each scene. Like there's the bit with the dots on the map. There's the the scene where they're being chased by guards and like it was really creative for them to have the guards all turn into different animals before yeah. the chase scene because that makes it a really interesting scene mm-hmm. as Cusco's turning into all these different animals as he's running as well. Yeah. And, like, the animals he's turning into and the animals the guards turn into don't look great comparative to the rest of the animation either. No. Like, they're not as well rendered or they're not as crisp. Um, but it, it, it still looks cool. It does. It's very fast-paced. Yeah. Very energetic. And you mentioned very Looney Tunes. Yeah, it is. The whole thing <laughs> is is very, very Looney Tunes. I'm surprised that no characters, like, had any dynamite on them. Yeah, no one got hit by a falling anvil at any point. That's true, they didn't. Well, that's a surprise. Yzma got hit by a falling chandelier, though, so I think in spirit <laughs> there is an anvil. There was one point where Yzma was falling to her death as in her cat form, um, and then at the bottom of the palace, where she was going to, like, get crushed, someone, like, a delivery guy had brought in a trampoline, and the guard was like, we didn't order a trampoline. He's like, oh, well, you could have told me that before you ordered it, and then, boing, the cat, like, springs off the trampoline. It was, like, so funny yeah. and stupid. Yeah. I mean, it's lazy, but they've, like, rocked it. Yeah. <laughs> what he said was, you didn't tell, you could have told me that before I set it up, because he's got the trampoline, like, set up perfectly <laughs> yeah. in the right spot. <laughs> That one and the, like, how did you get here ahead of us? Well, by all accounts, it doesn't make sense. Like, it's so funny that I I forgive that the plot point is just sort of brushed under the rug. Yeah. the joke is so good. A lot of the times they start a joke and you're like, oh, this seems shoehorned in, but then it actually, like, is really funny. Mm -hmm. Like, the bit where they're trying to um, turn Cusco into a corpse with poison. (laughs) Kronk just really wants people to try his spinach rolls. And, like, that just keeps on getting pushed, but it actually ends up being, like, really funny. It is. And it's like, do we have to kill him now? Can we not have coffee first? And dessert? And she's like, okay, coffee and dessert, fine. (laughs) But, like, it's really funny. I love that when he's mixed the what he thinks is the poison into all the glasses, and I mentioned that Yzma dumps hers into a cactus beside her. Um, when you see Cusco's start to turn into a llama and it turns for the reaction shot, you can see the cactus in the corner has turned into a llama-shaped cactus. <laughs> and, like, that that's good detail. It's yeah. funny. It's also funny because Kronk was pouring it onto his shoulder and his shoulder and it did not turn into a llama. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, too, because, like, when he was looking at the, the potion, say, look, I did, it is the, it is the death one. It looks like a skull, and then Yzma just, like, pushes the sticker back up, it's rolled down a little bit, and it's like, oh, it's actually a llama design. <laughs> and she's like, it was essence of llama! <laughs> I like that that's all you need to turn people into stuff, is just to have the essence of the thing yeah. in a potion. <laughs> hey, I guess it's like Pology's potion. It is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, voice of Yzma, Eartha Kit. She was amazing. So funny. Oh my god. Every de- line delivery was really good. I, I really liked the her eulogy at Cusco's funeral. Um, it's really short, and then there's like this deep pause, and then she goes, well, he ain't getting any debtor. Um, <laughs> and that's, like, it's just all in her delivery. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> and the animation w- works really well with the way she's speaking the lines, too. Mm-hmm. Like, there was there was really good resonance between the art 
and the voice acting and like like the bits that they did well they did really well yeah and I think all the character bits landed. Yeah. I even cared about the stupid arc between Pacha and Cusco. I, I think it, it works, too, because it's, like, it's done in a fun way, because um, they're both... Pacha's not so holier than thou that he's not willing to push back a little. Yeah. Like, he's not, like, I'll help you go back to the palace, and through, like, the... The power of me being good to you, you'll change. Like yeah, he, he like fully extorted like every him. minute. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's just like nope. Um, to rebuild or build your summer home somewhere else, and Cusco's like, uh, excuse me, saith what? He's like, I'm not gonna help you unless you change your mind on the summer home thing. And it makes Pacha likable. I yeah, think, for him to not be like, and he is a good person, and he goes back for Cusco and saves his life. There were, like, at least two no-homo moments. Which, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which was weird. Like, at one point, Cusco appears to have, like, ingested too much water and is, like, internally drowned. So, um, Pacha is gearing up to give him, like, the kiss of life. Mm-hmm. And then Cusco wakes up and is like, oh, no homo! Yeah. <laughs> He's, like, gargling in the next shot. Um... <laughs> What's the other one? I know there is another I one. I think it's when they've just saved themselves from the ravine. Mm. And they're maybe hugging and then, like, disentangle. Oh, it's very much like um, Danny and Kanicki in Greece, where they're, like, hugging and then suddenly they're, like, combing their hair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the jokes play very weirdly. One, because they're... Especially the first one is... Is a bit homophobic, I think. Yeah. They play weirdly because of how much they're pushing the father-son dynamic between yep. the two of them. It's like, why did you choose to then make these jokes? Like the end game for this movie is that Cusco kind of has a family. Like, yeah, he's like, he's like adopted weird. by them. Yeah. And also, like, Cusco's full homo, right? Yeah, like full. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not to be the f- third episode in a row where we've done this. <laughs> Cursed or blurst and homoerotic subjects. <laughs> <laughs> but he is, though. He is, though. But not for his dad. No! Pacha is, like, trying to adopt Cusco, and, like, it, it, it plays extra weird because it's it feels shoot the homophobic joke feels shoehorned yeah because it doesn't fit with the dynamic it's not like because the dynamic is that they don't like each other so it's not like i hate you get away from me yeah it's no homo yeah that's weird that is weird It's, it's really weird i assume Cusco's parents are dead They've gotta be. Else they would be in charge. Yeah. And at what point did they die? Because there's that, at the beginning there's that little shot of him as a baby and he starts crying and then all these like attendants give him a doll. At one point Yzma is complaining about him and says, I practically raised him. Mm-hmm. So maybe they've been dead for a while. Yeah, I never knew his parents. The Yzma joke is followed by Kronk saying, yeah, you think he would have turned out better. <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> I like that Kronk... Is never like played as a full villain. Yeah. Because he's like too stupid to be a villain. <laughs> he's not like on it enough. And then every time he sort of clues into what's going on, he has some sort of crisis of conscience. Yeah. The little shoulder devil and the sh- shoulder angel, which yes. are delightful. Which I think is another like why in my head I thought I just remembered it more of like a cartoony. Mm hmm. 
Because that's also very Looney Tunes to have something yeah. like that. Yeah. But it's the, the most ambivalent devil and angel ever. It's yeah. Like, disagree on one thing and then sort of agree and then piss off. Yeah. Kronk <laughs> <laughs> uh, is such an interesting character because he's he's so not with it. Yeah. For most of the movie. That's like a, a joke that I didn't write, like pick up when I was a kid about his age too. Oh my god. Like he's doing something like stupid in the the meal scene and Cusco is like oh, how old is he again? Like late 20s? And this was like, oh, I don't know, I never really asked. <laughs> and it's not even a joke, it's just like a funny detail, you know? Okay, that's definitely not what I thought that joke was about. Okay, go on. Okay, so I thought the implication was that Cusco thinks... Because when Cusco introduces Yzma and Kronk, he says... He's narrating at this point, so he's not in the scene. The nar- narrator Cusco says, this is Yzma... And this, and the camera pans over to Kronk, is her her muscle. This She has a new one every couple of months. This year's model is called Kronk. And then later on at the, the dinner, Kronk's gone away to cook something. And Kuzco's like, he seems nice. And Yzma's like, oh, he is. Kuzco's oh. like, how, how old is oh, he? Oh, I see. You think she's like a cougar. Yeah, well, Kuzco thinks she's a cougar. Yeah. Um... I get it, but it's still funny. It's like, still even... funny because when he's he's like, "How old is he? Late twenties?" And because Isma is quite old. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely what I thought that joke was. No, that makes sense. It's it's funny because I think I've watched more of the Emperor's New School than mm-hmm. I have this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always was I didn't, I didn't obviously didn't see the first episode, else I would know. I was like, "How? Why are they all in school?" Because Cusco and Kronk are in school together after the events of the movie. Yzma is no longer a cat. She's on the school board. Yeah. Is she? I thought she was still a cat in the show. Was she still a cat? I was sure she was still a cat. We should watch this. Yeah. We should watch it. She's gotta still be a cat. How'd they turn her back? I think... I thought she was just a cat on the school board. I don't know. Let's let's investigate after this episode. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, go ahead. No, just that. Yeah, there's it's confusing to me how that got started because I didn't see the first episode of that. But mm-hmm. it was a very good show. It was a fun show. Yeah. Which is like funny because not all shows of movies are good. Yeah, I yeah the, I think the standouts for me were this one and the Lilo and Stitch one. And yeah. Every because I know there was an Aladdin one. There's a Little Mermaid one. Yeah. I don't have any memories of those, really, which does not bode well. Yes, and both those movies had sequels, too. Yeah. People talk a big game about Little Mermaid, too. Um, this movie has a sequel. Yeah? It's called Kronk's New Groove. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Have you seen it? I have. Is it good? No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, on the topic of things being good, Shannon, do you think that The Emperor's New Groove is cursed, blessed, or blessed? This is hard. This is a really blurst blessed line for me. Okay. Because the other ones that I'm like, I don't know if it's blurst. Like, I've also found them a little bit boring. Like, the High School Musical last mm. week. I was like, I had fun during the music, but... What about Anastasia? Anastasia was, was right in the same line for me. Yeah. Like, I, same vibes as Anastasia. I had a great time throughout. There's mm-hmm. definitely... <sighs> yeah, I think this has maybe a few cursed elements to it. Yeah. It's so chaotic and odd for a Disney movie. Like, it, it's just, it's such, like, 
the ugly duckling of Disney movies, and for that I mm. love it. Yeah. I think I've got to give it, like, maybe a very high blurst. Okay. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, up there with Anastasia. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, same for me. I'm going to give it a blurst. I'm going to knock it slow, like, like, slightly below Anastasia. Mm. I think Anastasia is more of an all, all-rounder. Mm. Um, apart from the weird, like, 3D moments, the mm. an- animation in Anastasia is quite beautiful. Mm-hmm. The characters are compelling. It's funny. Blurst elements are the historical bits. Hey, mm. which probably could be said for this too, but they That's true. at least they don't pretend to do like a very particular historical event. Yeah. But um, I think we should tack on a <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cursed element is whatever the hell they're trying to do with history in this movie. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um so yeah, high blurst, but not as high as Anastasia. Okay. Which is fair. really straddling the blurst and blessed for me. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I'm just happy that I watched this instead of talking about Matilda for an hour. Yeah, me too. I had a good time watching this movie. Yeah. It was a really good way to, like, get down from the fear of seeing that spider. Yeah, the spider that will always be with us in our hearts. Yes. And then that stain on the chair. Yeah, which I'm just, like, just fully resting on now. The cursed (laughs) spider gut blob. (laughs) Putting my arm where this web was, where the spider was doing his business. Marking my scent, marking my territory on the chair. Learned that in Cat High School. <laughs> cat High School is the, is the prequel to Cats. Oh my god. In the cinemas for Christmas next year. Yzma is the most jellical cat of all. Yzma's <laughs> <laughs> my choice. My jellical choice. Okay, like, real talk before we wrap up. Yzma, I think, is my favourite villain of our Cursed or Blurst movies so far. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Especially if you consider, like, Yzma and Kronk as a unit, because their comedic chemistry is so good. Yes. Yeah. Even more scary than Alec Baldwin in A Cat in the Hat. (laughs) 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 So, yeah, that's it for this week. Mm -hmm. We're going to watch another movie next week. We might talk about a different movie than the one that we watched. Yep. It's Chaos Central here at Kirster Blurst. I don't even think we've chosen one for next week. Yes, we have. Okay, I will do a drum roll. Oh, yes, we have. We're going to watch, but not necessarily review, but we're definitely going to review it because it's going to be good. Cats and dogs. (laughs) Who let the dogs out? Also, cats. They were there, too. classic film from my childhood and also very very exciting for us because we're (laughs) the only two members of a very special committee the green college jeff goldblum appreciation society we're the only two members of the green of the of the jeff goldblum committee no one else can join don't even ask no this is an exclusive club this is the first goldblum movie Oh my god. Of this series. Goldblum is what our friendship was forged with. We've, we've tiptoed around Goldblum by talking about Hotel Artemis that one time. Yeah. But, yeah. Time, but it's time. Time to shine, baby. <laughs> it's time. <laughs> <laughs> Reality is an illusion. It's Goldblum time, baby. 